On this veteran cast, we have Tom Gora, Sergeant, Purple Heart recipient, who was underway with a handful of amazing troops uh, coming up in a movie called No Greater Love, the first documentary directed by an active duty soldier in combat. The mission of Veteran Cast is to educate, inform, and improve the lives of veterans in our community. This is a podcast hosted and produced by veterans in order to serve our sisters and brothers. At ease. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, this is a special show. We just kind of threw it together. We had to. We had to get you in here. Uh, Tom is with us. Tom Gorp uh, is a sergeant. Purple Heart recipient, thank you so much for your duty. Uh, we owe you, uh, I don't know what we owe you, we owe you everything. Uh, you guys went through hell over there. And, uh, and Tom is uh, one of the high- highlighted uh, soldiers in No Greater Love, and we wanted to talk about that t- today. No Greater Love uh, is, uh, and I'll repeat it, the first documentary directed by an active duty soldier in combat. And, uh, and if you want to, while you're listening, you can go online, check out their site, no greater love movie.com. We'll re- be repeating that through, uh, cause there's a trailer. And then we, of course, want you to take action and we'll tell you what we need you to do after listening to this podcast. So welcome, Tom. Great to have you in house. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. This is fantastic. And, uh, Tom, Tom, this is an amazing undertaking. Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, the chaplain and 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 basically what brought this project about. Yeah, uh, Chaplain Justin Roberts uh, deployed with us to Afghanistan, and as you know, most veterans know, chaplains aren't allowed to carry weapons uh, while overseas. So instead of carrying a weapon, he asked if he could carry a camera uh, and document what hap- what's happening throughout these deployments, but. Uh, with no intention of building no greater love. It just kind of came to fruition as he began watching how we interacted with each other, the, how the teams were focused on each other and one another, people returning from major injuries, uh, you know, falling down a mountain, uh, being out of commission for months and then returning back and wanting to be back part of the team, just seeing that underlying tone of love and how uh, everyone interacted with each other. It was just... Uh, so instead of carrying a weapon, he carried his, his camera and uh, put some GoPros on some soldiers at, you know, defining moments and captured a lot of footage uh, and pieced together such an amazing, amazing story. Um, yeah. And that, and that uh, I mean, coming from you who was there, that means probably the, the world to this project, right, is that you you feel that you were properly represented, which is, of course, a problem sometimes in military movies, right? I, I can't agree more. I, I, th- I think the story and the way the story is told, it's not focused on the combat footage. It's not about, you know, um, major missions or I mean, those stories are told, but it's more about the return home and the reintegration and what soldiers are dealing with in today as they're trying to come back and go to a mall or, you know, interact with other individuals that don't have the same level of experience they do. And it gets, it's difficult sometimes to, to, um, create new relationships without that, that, that camaraderie, camaraderie that you've built 
through a deployment or yep. extreme circumstances like that. Yeah, extreme is is the right. Uh, I'm going to read a bit off the site just because I think this is this is pretty fascinating. If you go to the about page on the site, um, it says no greater love movie seeks to expose audiences to the raw experience of war in the hopes that others can come to understand the agony and struggles soldiers experience. Uh, both during and after war on the battlefield and off. Um, U.S. Army Chaplain Justin David Roberts, the director of No Greater Love, uh, experienced the reality of war and its aftermath firsthand. Uh, while deployed in Afghanistan with the legendary No Slack uh, Battalion, he witnessed brave men and women uh, sacrifice themselves to protect others. Uh, Chaplain Roberts also witnessed suicide, the first occurring two days after arriving at his new battalion. Uh, at the Brooks Army Medical Center in Houston, he witnessed the physical and emotional struggle veterans experience even after returning home, including their intense sense of isolation. Whew, this is a heavy movie. It is. Right? Yeah. And I, yeah, I, Adam knows this too, because Adam, everyone said Adam Small is with us. <laughs> I should have introduced you. Late on the intro there, but that's okay. <laughs> Adam Small is, uh, is Marine. I was in the Navy. Uh, and, and, uh, I think, I think when we, one is Adam always says, Hey, you want to go see that movie? And it's a military movie. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I gotta watch it in my, I gotta watch, gotta watch it at home. I gotta yeah. watch it at home, you know, and, and a lot of it is I, I wasn't in combat, you know, we were, I was in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, but, uh, we just carried the troops. We didn't, we were just a taxi cab for you guys. We didn't, we didn't go in. For the Marines. Yeah. For the, <laughs> for the Marines. We had some army guys too. So, um, but, uh, but, uh, I, I think a lot of what I don't like about military movies is, we talked about it before the show. One, the mistakes, you know, and then two, they really just don't get the camaraderie right. They just don't get the, the fact that, you know, uh, I didn't care what color, gender, you know, religion. I didn't care who that, you know, person was next to me. I, I die for them, you know, and, and it was all about us just, you know, coming back home, you know, and I wasn't even in, you know, all we had to do was watch out for mines, you know. Right. right. Um, but but I I think that that's something that people outside the military just don't get a taste of. And and if this movie even scratches the surface, that's a huge message to everybody out there. I I can't agree more. That's that's the exact tone that uh, the chaplain found throughout the film is that underlying tone of love and camaraderie, how we work together and hence the name, no greater love the playoff of uh, greater love has no man than this to lay one's life down for one's friend. Yep. Um, it's powerful and it's built. I don't know where it comes from. It just kind of happens through the training process and the, getting your mind ready for a deployment like that. I deployed to uh, Iraq in 2006, 2007 and then, Afghanistan with his film shows. And I always joke that uh, Iraq was kind of um, like an NTC or a training mm. facility for us to go to Afghanistan. Afghanistan's where the real fight is at and preparing for that mentally you, you, and being out in, you know, um, you know, out in the field together and, and getting to know each other intimately and knowing that where we're going, there, there's a high loss rate. And yeah the expectation of coming back shouldn't be there for yourself. It should be there for your, your buddy. And the last person that I, I could ever imagine losing is, is, is another soldier or couldn't imagine losing. So yeah, that's, um, he touches, he hits it hard. He, he does well. And I think a big part of that was because he was there with us. 
So interviewing us during that process, it was a lot more natural and fluid. I felt like I was speaking to someone. I was speaking with someone that was standing right next to me right. Uh, on, an, on a myriad occasions. Um, so it was yeah, living it was, the experience with you at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't trying to tell a story. He was, the, you know, you guys Part were the story. story right? mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge difference. What, what period of time was this, uh, filmed? So was, this is from 2010 to 11. Uh, and the experiences kind of throughout, um, there was a, it was pretty much as soon as we came in theater, uh, it was fairly quickly when we went into Strong Eagle One. Um, there's actually a, a lot of documentation on uh, Strong Eagle One, kind of a depiction of the, the, taking, I think, uh, sworn statements across the board and uh, pretty interesting, almost like a small book on that uh, that one particular uh, uh, mission. Um, with that one, the Russians had tried taking that valley during the, the Cold War and failed. Um, very poorly. Uh, you know, there was still remnants of that as we were traversing the valley, but we took it wow. successfully, uh, but not without loss. Um, we came out victorious at, at the end. We took the valley, um, but uh, I joke that, you know, we walked the valley, but then I double back and say, no, we ran that valley. Um, our unit, my platoon um, was on foot uh, on, uh, one edge of the valley, and then we had a single road going in on the other end, and there was another platoon, you know, that was moving through both on foot and um, with the vehicles. And our objective, our platoon's objective, was to stay in line with the lead vehicle um, to ensure that no IEDs were, were set along the way. Um, so that's what we did. We stayed with that lead vehicle all the way through, um, and it came to a point where um, it, someone had taken direct control, and just not to name any names, took direct control over the F-15s and dropped a, a GBU on our platoon. Oh. Um, it was friendly fire. They assumed that no one was that far in the valley yeah. um, because it was – it was chaos. Uh, I think somewhere around upwards of 200 Taliban had uh, died that day. So it was the largest firefight our uh, battalion had had, no slack had had since Vietnam. And um, then they dropped the platoon and the, uh, from, dropped the bomb on us. And apparently the entire valley went completely silent because, well, everyone on the field knew that was friendly. Yeah. And even <laughs> the Taliban knew that was friendly. Uh, so apparently it was silence there for, for, for a short moment. Um, nobody in our platoon died. Wow. It doesn't fortunate there. Yeah. Uh, it landed within, um, 15, 20 meters of some people in the platoon. The smaller, you know, soldiers were the ones that we, we ended up exfilling a few, um, because they were lifted off the ground and kind of slammed back down. The percussion was so powerful. Um, and obviously sustained, you know, traumatic brain injury, but as far as like limbs and life, um, you know, everybody's walked, walked away from that effectively. Um, and then the rest of us carried on with the mission the next uh, three or four days, um, you know, as we took, the, the rest of the, the valley and took the, uh, the village. But, um, so, so for people, for people out there, you know, there, there might be people listening that, um, don't, don't even realize kind of the, the hell you guys 
you know, we're in over there. Um, we hear things like Afghanistan, Taliban, but we don't, you know, we don't have a face to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have a, a picture of that evil. You know, what, what were these, what were these, you know, I don't even want to call them people. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. What was, what were these people like over there? What was happening over there that people should know that this is why we should have been there and this is why these people needed that, gone? I think he does an amazing job of that in the film as well. He brings in our battalion commander, Colonel Vowles, who really explains who, uh, you know, Al Qaeda and Taliban, who they are and who our primary target, which who was a QZR, uh, was how, what our abbreviated name I can, couldn't say is. Yeah. Name in full. Um, and he, he was our primary target and there's video footage of him, you know, talking about attacking Americans and, you know, what the process is behind that. So really identifying who the enemy is and why he's an enemy. In addition to that, um, you know, one thing we were uh, a QRF, a quick response force for, uh, one of the other platoons or one of the other companies in the battalion who'd suffered a suicide bomber um, who had walked into a group of soldiers um, and uh, blew herself up. Oh. And it, it was a female. She was young, 13, 14 years old. Um, and from my understanding, she was also mildly mentally disabled. So, so those the, are the kind of people that we're dealing with. The people that we're dealing with strapped that on, on her and told her to walk yeah. towards those Americans and pull that trigger um, uh, yeah it, it, just the, what it takes for someone to do something like that right that that's a you know I'm not one to just go I, I didn't join the army to kill people I didn't that's that's not my intent but when you talk about someone like that it changes right anyone's mindset anybody's story it's almost a, it's like going back a thousand years, right? I mean, it's, this isn't a, you know, we're comfortable sitting here in the middle of Indianapolis. We have no clue, you know, what the barbarism is like, you know, in a valley like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how it's been fought for what a thousand years. Yeah. Right. It's in the Ottoman yeah. empire and yeah. further. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, well, geez, I, I, I don't know how we make this a happy show. This is not a, <laughs> you know, I mean. Um, well, you made it back okay. Yeah, I what, do. How, you uh, made what it are you back doing okay. today? Yeah, today, <laughs> today uh, you know, I'm director of security operations for Rook Security. Uh, I was, you know, fortunate enough, blessed enough to get an opportunity with uh, Rook about five years ago. I um, got out of the Army. um and immediately started going to school. I needed to do something, um, keep my mind moving, keep, give myself direction because I feel that that's often what's missed is, um, identities get tied with actions or things that have happened in, in one's past. And and it doesn't matter who it just, a lot of times that's a lot more, I think heavily in with soldiers because the experience is so extreme. Um, it becomes a defining moment for them and, and defines them for, for life. Right. And right. you get lost in that. And I didn't want that to be who, just who I, who I was. Right. Um, so I, I, when I was in Afghanistan, I was, uh, kind of, I knew I wanted to get in technology. Um, I think I built my first website when I was 12 or 13, um, for like, like Diablo or Starcraft or something like that, <laughs> you know, back in the day. Um, 
so I knew that's where I wanted to go, but I didn't know what. Right. And one thing I found fascinating was the internet, just mm-hmm. in general, the internet, the fact that I can communicate with someone on the other side of the world in milliseconds right. yeah. and have a conversation I thought was fascinating. So I started d- digging into um, a CCNA study guide. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but yeah. it's a monster oh, yeah. book. I read the first three or four chapters in Afghanistan on my cot, uh, probably like five times. And I had no idea what it was talking about. That's awesome. right. yeah. <laughs> so I'm reading it over and over again. And, um, you know, I even tried downloading a uh, Ubuntu um, at mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, through our internet, which yeah, I was, was I was taking poor. I was taking my soldiers <laughs> and like, okay, you can use this computer right here, uh, so that we we can keep that download going. Uh, right, but right. I I ended up buying a copy of Ubuntu. That's how desperate I was. Yeah. Um, I think it was like ten bucks and like shipping out to IPO. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I finally got to like the security portion of the CCNA. I'm like this. This is interesting. This is something that makes sense to me. The, I mean, I, I often try to go back to my you know green notes to right. to see like what what maps over. You know, what are the tactics and techniques I used when creating a, a, a you know a battle position that I can use inside of a network to similar to concept of uh, of uh, security, similar security concepts of making sure that. You know, you're protecting your fronts and, and sides mm-hmm. and flanks and yeah. all that, right? One of my favorite ones is uh, Alcoca. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's observation, field of fire, cover and concealment, obstacles, key terrain, and avenues of approach. Mm-hmm. You can apply all five of those aspects directly to a computer network, just right. as you would a forward operating base or a battle position. Um, and all you need to do is understand the underlying technology and what you can do to put in place. I'm not using, you know, a Mark 19 or a 50 cal anymore. I'm using an IDS, an IPS, AV, right. you know, a layered defense approach as well. So a lot of those concepts started really making sense. Security just, I, I wanted it. So when I got out of the army, I was staying up till three, four o'clock in the morning, just trying to figure this stuff out, Bra- right, right, breaking right. Wi-Fi, just doing whatever I, I could. This was back when web, you know, you could, everybody was using right. it and war driving was a thing. Well, I think it's coming back, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it seems like there's a new vulnerability every other day. Or so, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing I really like about the security industry as well is that it doesn't stop. Mm. Um, I can't, I got it figured out and sit back and watch TV at five right. o'clock when I get off work. <laughs> right, right. It, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and that continued. Ne- Be careful, Tom. You're going to get old, gray, <laughs> fat like me. <laughs> you got to push harder than a keyboard. I'm hey. telling you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, uh, I <clears throat> actually was searching for an internship. I came to JJ Thompson and. Um, you know, I just wanted an internship, an opportunity to, to learn and be in the industry. And, uh, he hired me full time as an analyst. A few months later, I took over that team. Um, there were three of us and an intern. Uh, and then since there, then we've grown the, the SOC to 17 people, 24 by 7, 365. I have, you know, we have a, a SOC manager, shift leads, senior security analysts, you know, kind of a hierarchy there in addition to developing a lot of tools and technology to help support efficiencies. Yeah. So it's been uh, a wild ride and I've learned so much and I, I 
just excited for the next five years and what I learned uh, throughout that. But yeah, that's incredible. Well, good for Rook security too, for hiring a vet. We, we were talking prior that uh, Indiana is, I think the number two state for uh, veteran employment. Right. And, uh, but, but there, there's definitely a lack of overlap between the tech community and the veteran community. I think a lot of people see, you know, uh, a soldier come back and they say, Oh, we're, what assembly line are we going to put them on? You know, instead right. or of they think some, some sort of physical security yeah. as opposed to network security, yeah. you know, exactly. uh, type positions, police officer or, um, you know, that sort of thing, private security as opposed to, you know, the more, uh, intellectual fields, you know? Yeah. Um, so. And Adam and I talk about it a lot, like the, the you know, even just boot camp, right? You know, I wish I could send young employees through boot camp just to pound teach the, them a little bit of yeah, discipline and teach, mission accomplishment. Yeah, right? yeah. The, uh, well, you know, the the like just hearing you sound off, you know, what your security process was, right? You know, things like that don't come natural to a young person, you know, and it's through training and training and training and, and getting it, you know, basically just, you know, pummeled into you, you know, that you learn to respect that processes can save lives. Processes can, you know, help you attention to detail is everything, you know? And so it trained us for technology. We right. were, we're, uh, you know, I'm going to say we're both successful technologists, because of our military background, you know? And so I wish, you know, I hope that that's a story out there, especially for people, you know, I want to get back to the movie, but for people that watch this movie that one, obviously see the, uh, the human, you know, aspect of, of every soldier, but then two, think about, you know, how can you get someone like that in your organization? Uh, because the, these guys, exactly what you said, these guys do not need to be sitting at home waiting for their next VA appointment. They really need to get out there and, and they don't need to be living in those moments over and over again. Yeah. yeah you know, they, they need, need to find a way like you did to, to, to move forward with life. And yeah. I see you're married, got kids and you know, I'm assuming kids, Yeah, yeah uh, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, you, you found a way to, <laughs> I got some, I don't know. <laughs> are we now out there or some. not? <laughs> You know, but you know, you find a way to move beyond that moment or those defining moments uh, that can can really consume you. You know, and you you know, it's funny because you see a lot of you know, again with old war movies and stuff where they the, they portray the drunkard. You know, that that sure. he's living in that moment forever, and and unfortunately, it's a stereotype, but there's a lot of truth in that too. You know, I, I knew uh, when I was. A much younger man, I knew fellows that had been in World War II and stuff, and some of them just could never live beyond that, right. you know. Uh, so, uh, well, it's, it's, very interesting to talk to them, you yeah. know, but, you know, 90% of the time they were in the drink and, and just, you know, they couldn't get beyond it. But that's, so. that's the, that's the action item for us, right? right. As, as, you know, when we take you back home, you know, because you went out there and fought for us, you know, what are we doing to make it a better, you know, environment and a more welcoming environment? Yeah, what are the soldiers doing? And this is, I, I'm part to blame for this. This is, I was actually um, speaking with my wife about this like yesterday or the day before. And it, um, we were talking about um, VFW in particular right. um, because it's, Pretty heavily focused alcohol, you know, yeah. the terror strip things. And, uh, I had went to one and I was by far the youngest person there. And there was actually someone there was from World War II. Right. And, I'm, and as far as like that, there, there is no, it's hard to have a relationship or to see some like eye to eye with someone, um, 
you know, in that state of mind or that, that area, if you will, it just, and to get back to what she was saying, she was effectively saying that maybe they need somebody yeah. to help do that outreach that they don't know how to do for the younger crowd, for, for, for us, for me, like how does the VFW actually reach out to someone of my age? Become relevant in the more modern era. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so as a veteran, what are we doing to help other veterans be successful? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's great that, um, you know, there's a huge initiative and I'm so glad to hear about what, you know, Indiana is doing and Indiana has been doing amazing things yeah. as we talked about before, um, with helping veterans, everything. Yeah. It's actually sound off on some of those. Yeah. So, um, uh, first, you know, with, uh, the purple heart, uh, I get free parking. So save a few dollars here and there, yep. um, which is, is nice. It's just kind of a nice thing. And then, um, I also get 27 free credits on top of my GI bill for in-state school. Uh, and my kids go to an in-state school, uh, college for free. Um, and I'm sure because, that, because of the purple heart. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there are plenty of others that I, that I'm, I'm missing out on, but I think Indiana is doing an amazing job and it's, it's, it's great that there's, you know, you know, civilians that are also backing behind this. But I mean, as veterans, I think we need to probably be doing a good, better job of trying to be relevant to each other. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of organizations that are springing up. You know, we have, you know, 22 kill and generation 22 and, and a bunch of other ones that are kind of focusing on that suicide factor and that there is a problem and that we need to be injecting ourselves and we need to be putting on programs and getting people out of the house, yeah, right. sitting down, waiting for the next appointment and going yeah. and doing things and networking and learning about opportunities in the tech field. Yeah, I, and, and you're going to hear, uh, for listeners of Veteran Cash, you're going to hear about upcoming, um, we're actually going to have an event here at the Speakeasy at our studio, uh, but the Speakeasy is actually going to, um, launch something special for veterans. That's all I can say. And, uh, so we have, uh, Greg, Mayor Greg Ballard, actually, uh, who's a, a veteran, uh, is going to be speaking at it. Plus, I think John Qualls from 1150. Maybe we get JJ over here as well, you know, get you guys over here. But the whole idea is that, again, you know, how do we, how do we merge? And, and, uh, Adam and I have been talking about it for years. Harrison Painter uh, was going to be here today, but he's passing a kidney stone. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, but you know, Harrison's prior Navy and, uh, and we've been talking about it for a couple of years. Like, why are we, why are we the only vets over here? You know? And so now it's finally kind of taking shape that, Hey, maybe we can merge these, you know, communities together and do something a lot more. And like I said, I think it's, it's built just perfectly, you know, because if you, if you've got a veteran that, you know, is, is suffering from, uh, you know, from some distress of being back and, and everything else, they can get the time that they need. They can get the, the benefits that they need in this community. Whereas if they walked into a, you know, a manufacturing facility, they're not, you know, they have to stand there for eight hours, punch boards or whatever, and get out of there. Whereas our community is a lot more free as far as time, energy, benefits, support, uh, whether you, you know, whether you have a dog with you at work, you know, everything about our community is, is really kind of open. And here we are sitting there, no overlap, you know, between the two. So I really hope that, you know, we, we can achieve a lot. And, um, and, uh, you know, back, back to no greater love. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, one, no greater love movie.com. Please go to it. Please watch the trailer. I think the trailer, as soon as you watch a trailer, you're going to recognize, uh, 
how special this movie is. And one of the big takeaways that we want from this conversation is there's a demand page. Uh, you'll see it on the top navigation of the, of the site. Please, 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 please go there and sign up. And that's basically uh, a demanding to, to get this movie shown in your area because it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not old school. You know, you guys didn't have $10 million and a, and a, and Paramount pictures, you know, behind you. Um, the distribution on this movie is going to totally matter based on people's demand, you know, to get it into their neighborhoods. And so there's a, uh, theaters page where you can see where it's already playing. Please go, uh, support this amazing event, you know, and then, um, and then there's a get involved page and a demand page. Please, please, please go out there to the movie again. No greater love movie.com, uh, and getting, get involved. Uh, it's a, uh, it's just, these things are so critical. And I, I, I think this is just a, this is a historic kind of movie. You know, it's not, not that it's telling history, just the fact that it's, it's literally nobody's directing. Nobody's, you know, uh, this is your story. You, you, this is how you were living out there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's our story, right? Yeah. How many guys, how many guys did you go over there with? Actually, my platoon is with, uh, one th- was with 1327 Bastogne, um, okay. which as we were deploying a couple months, we were supposed to go to Restrepo, that, that base oh. our, our, our company was. Yeah. And then a few months prior to deployment, they tore it down and said it wasn't worth handling yeah. due to the lack of the loss, the life loss there. Um, so when we got in theater, they were like, ah, we don't know where we're sending you. Uh, so after some time, they detached my platoon from my company, and we went to uh, No Slack HHC, where we uh, kind of are in the back pocket of the BC and got to experience um, Afghanistan and in yeah. all of its glory for through all the missions that uh, we were part of. So how many in your platoon? In my platoon, I think we were uh, somewhere around twenty-seven to thirty. Twenty-seven to thirty. Yeah. Plus and how many? How many? How many lost their lives there? None. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. We we have some injured. Uh, you know, uh, we have one soldier. You know, that's not walking today, yeah. uh, but he has his life. Uh, wow! And, and he's he's living it to the full. But definitely a, a depiction of a you know soldier suffering some major injuries, but you know keeping his head on his shoulders and and driving on. Well, that's a testament to the guys that are out there. I mean, that's incredible mm-hmm. that that you get. Wow, yeah, that's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so, what do you what what what's next? You know, what do you what do you hope uh, happens with this movie? I mean, what's uh, I've talked about what I want to happen with mm-hmm. it, <laughs> but this is your movie, you know, not mine. Oh, it's definitely not my my movie. It, it's um, I think again, getting more people seeing it that aren't just veterans, you know, bringing right. friends and family that don't understand, um, or really want to understand. Um, this is just, it's a great conduit to uh, just show what it's, it's raw. As it yeah. mentions, it's, um, you know, we're talking directly to another soldier that experienced the same thing. So it was a lot easier to be, to talk about things that may be otherwise uncomfortable to talk about with family members. And I understand how difficult that can be. Um, and I think that may be also a, a problem that we've had over the years is that we're, we're men. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't need help. We don't, we don't talk about it. You know, how often do you hear about family members who lived through world war two or, you know, whatever major, um, 
conflict and just don't talk about it. And that does, it's, it's hard to talk about, but I, I think it tears you apart as well. Just not talking about it. Well, there's the, uh, there's the, uh, Hollywood movie coming out. Uh, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. And I thought the the director said something that was really fascinating there. He said that, you know, that you, in the past, you know, even if it was Vietnam or, you know, prior that, you know, you got on a boat and spent the next three weeks coming back to the United States. And for the three weeks, you were with those guys that you spent out there in the field and everything else. And it was kind of a shift. You actually had a shift, right? That you went from, you know, uh, just craziness, you know, back to, back to normal. And today, you probably jumped on a plane and flew back. I was actually going to say that. I, don't, I think they might intentionally do that. I think it took me like two and a half, three weeks to get home. Oh, did it? Uh, yeah. Oh, go, <laughs> yeah it's, traversing just from, from base to base yeah. along the way. Maybe it was like two weeks. Uh, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of traveling, so there's really no time to decompress and you're unpacking, packing, unpacking. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And, so then all of a sudden you're home with your family one day. Yeah. Um, at that time we did not have uh, kids, but, yeah. um, you know, I can only ima- I couldn't, you know, just thinking about that, I couldn't imagine deploying with children. Yeah. Um, and then coming back to, to children that, that need you. Oh, that, yeah. that that want you and it's so hard to be present in that in that return i know my my wife is amazing to to have uh you know helped me through that process and being you know there when i need her and yeah. stern when i need her to be stern and not know it you know it might might be hard um but having that that companion that partner to actually help through the the processes yeah that's it and and uh god bless you know all the all the wives and husbands back home. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I remember I, I had a baby when I left and so he was, you know, uh, toddler when he came. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I remember, uh, you know, she, she went to put him in my arms and he was afraid of me. He didn't know who I was. He just didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, it was, it was, it was, just a gut wrencher, you know, but yeah, God, God bless the, the, the spouses that, that are, you know, just helping you guys through it. Well, this is fantastic. Uh, for, for people that, uh, there is a private screening happening, uh, November 15th. Uh, and if you're interested, it's very, very limited as far as seats. Uh, but you can contact Eric Kokonis at rooksecurity.com, E-R-I-C dot K-O-K-O-N-A-S at rooksecurity.com. And, uh, and as we said again, um, please, please, please go to the site, no greater love movie.com, uh, watch the trailer, hit the demand page, uh, try to get it into your area and, uh, hit the theater page, find out where it is and maybe take a day trip <laughs> and go see it. Um, this is, this is just such an important, important movie. And, and Tom, I, I really feel special just to have you in the room. I really appreciate you coming over here and, and appreciate your service. I appreciate you taking this opportunity to expose the, the, the film to more more people and uh, really hope that it touches and helps. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks, Adam. Please visit VeteranCast.com for additional information. Subscribe to our podcast, and we'd also appreciate a review. God bless you, and God bless America. America.